Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comp Day. You're here with Dre, the podcast supporting young professionals of color. I'm pretty excited to be doing a one-on-one interview with our guest. It's been quite some time since we've done um, one-on-one interviews. Um, and today, today I just want to highlight the employee of the day, and it's kind of um, related to what we are doing. Um, his name is Hassan Picker. He is a um, host and producer and a, and a political correspondent for Young Turks. He's of Turkish background, ironically. And he, um, while he speaks about political topics for the millennial generation, he is also trolling Tommy Lauren, which makes me super happy because someone needs to do it. Um, you can spell his, find his name. His name is spelled H-A-S-A-N-P-I-K-E-R. He's like literally everywhere social media is and his videos are very easy to understand and hilarious. So check him out. So I have really a rock star across from me right now. Um, I asked him to come here. He said yes. I was I'm always shocked when people say yes. Because I'm like, they don't know what they're getting themselves into. But um, I have Alejandro um, Alva across from me. And I'm going to let him introduce himself um, and share um, um, his background and what he does for a living. Well, first of all, Rockstar is too kind. So thanks for that, uh, for that introduction. Uh, but yes, my name is Alejandro Alva. I am a Mexican-American. I'm from El Paso, Texas. So I like to think of the border as its own special little place. Very different, you know, not full on like the American side, not full on the Mexican side. So it's kind of its own culture. Uh, and I am a journalist. I'm a producer and host for Now This. So that's that's me. In a nutshell. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're really, really happy to have you. And I think listeners are going to be super excited to hear kind of how you became you and how what you're working on. Um, so you've made quite the career for yourself as a tech correspondent for Now This. And you have covered segments highlighting the tech industry's newest products like the latest Apple smartphone, the smartwatch that you actually have on right now. <laughs> um you sat across tech giants like um, Apple CEO Tim Cook and even covered cultural pieces breaking down the origin of marijuana or um, Ale Brijes, and you most recently calling out linguistic bias that AIs like Amazon's Alexa exhibits towards people who have accents outside of the um, traditional American, Canadian, British accent or and there's a lack of non-European languages, even though more people in the world speak non-European language, well, non-white dominant languages, because technically Spanish and a lot of languages are Romance languages. But um, yeah, um, so when you were growing up as a a little brown boy in El Paso, Texas, did you imagine that this was going to be your career, that you would land yourself here? Not at all. And I mean, I, I need to kind of like preface it with like, I feel like I'm still, you know, working at it. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I personally haven't made it. Like I, I'm still, you know, <laughs> I'm still trying to make it to to the end goal or like one of many that I've set up in my in my head as a child. Um, you know, as a kid, I remember saying that I wanted to be a veterinarian. Uh, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be um, a scientist. Journalist was never one of the options. I actually remember very distinctly hating the newscast. 
Oh, and really? <laughs> my, you know, I grew up in a household where, like, my grandfather, he was always glued to the news. He was not a journalist, but he was always glued to the news. My dad is always looking at the news. And so there was always some sort of, you know, anchor telling us the top headlines and what all the disaster that's going on in the world. And you know what? It's funny because a lot of people say that right now it's like all the consumption of news, there's always something going bad. And in my head, I I don't remember a time when something was, you know, not going on where there's never been a perfect ideal time. There's always been this kind of just like dump of news that's constantly hitting you. Um, so I remember being like, no, I hate news. I'd never do that. <laughs> um, and then it, it wasn't until high school that I started getting interested into this, like into in this field. Um, and it kind of just happened. I, I want to say that like it picked me in a way. So, okay. All right. um, I remember sophomore year of high school, I, I went to the counselors and I asked, I want to be part of the yearbook cast, like the yearbook, not cast, the, year, uh, the yearbook staff. Um, because they worked, I, I had seen them work on a yearbook and take pictures and write articles and, you know, design. And I thought all that was fascinating. And so it was kind of a, it was a process to get into that class and you had to get picked and whatnot. But I made it. I, I was able to just, I guess I was so I ran in with so much passion that I don't know where I found, but I was like, I want to be in that class. And so I made it to the class. And on the first day of school, of sophomore of sophomore year, a senior, I believe, a senior walked up and she's like, hey, you want to do the school announcements? And I don't remember saying yes, but I think I just like nodded my head. <laughs> kind of like, oh, yeah, sure. Voluntold. <laughs> yeah. And so she just grabs me by the arm and drags me to the library where where that's where the announcements are told and so it was over like you know um the speaker system the entire school and she's like okay so here we have them printed just say good morning this is blank and then uh just read down through the line like through the list and after that i was just like whoa this is amazing i love reading the news and so, sure enough, I got very invested. And then um, I feel like after that, just doors kept opening or I no, I, I kept opening doors in that <laughs> And I was just like, this is this is very fascinating. I'm very interested in this. And then I got very much into journalism. And I remember laughing at myself or saying like, oh, well, I used to hate listening to the news and like and now you now are the I'm news producing. yeah because eventually i started doing like internships and, and you know and really wanting to be that anchor giving you you know the top headlines of how this world's falling apart or <laughs> you know and the people that are trying to save it at the same time so you know you can start from the school announcements and get to now this <laughs> it's possible everyone so why tech and why well, it makes sense why you're doing um, more like digital journalism because um, traditional journalism is dying or not. It's transitioning to digital yes, journalism. Evolving. So you're getting way more viewership than like shows that are not eyewitness news but want to be eyewitness news. Mm -hmm. um, so you're part of the, the wave of like 
what it is now, but why tech? Like, I'm a bad millennial in the terms of, like, don't put anything technological in front of me. I Google how to use it, and then I have a hard time, and I don't share that I'm having a hard time. Then people ask me, like, how do I use this thing? And I'm like, I am stressed, too. Like, that whole, like, whatever gene that happened to everyone else after, like, 86 did not happen with me. But why tech? Like, um, yeah, what kind of interested you in that field? I... That's a good question. I think it's a mixture of growing up and always wanting to have the latest tech and not being able to um, buy it. <laughs> so uh, I think it's part of that. And then I'm just very fascinated with all this innovation um, and sometimes a bit frustrated when it's used for entertainment purposes and just like consumers, you know, just I feel like a lot of tech is sometimes wasted when it could be helping you know people and so i i sometimes try to dig up those stories where it's like um how tech is helping society or how tech is helping the different abled or marginalized communities and i think i think i think that's why tech interests me because there's so much potential to use it for something else than just watching Netflix or playing Pokemon Go, you know. And while those things are super fun, you know, we all use them. I feel like there's (laughs) more to it. So I think that's one of the reasons. And then obviously there's a whole flashy aspect of it where it's like, this is cool. (laughs) It is cool, especially when you know how to use it. (laughs) There's a hologram right in front of us, you know. By the way, there's no hologram right in front of us. But, like, that's an (laughs) example. But, you know, there's just a lot of cool stuff with it. So entering this field, did you feel like you had mentors that looked like you or walked in your way in your in the same walk of life? So you you as a queer person of color walking into the spaces, what was like did that happen? And if not, mm-hmm. how did you navigate? I think, you know, there's Jorge Ramos who's like, you know, very much at the level of like Anderson Cooper, um, Wolf Blitzer, and, you know, like, all these other known anchors. So I think I I got to see him and was like, well, there is someone that looks like me at that level. Um, as far as a queer identity, I I wasn't looking for that, so I didn't know what I was exactly looking for. I think that's something that um, it wasn't maybe until college that I started looking out for um, mentors or people that look like me that represented certain identities of mine on the news. Um, but I think I was able to find that. I think I was able to find um, people in the industry that were like, yeah, you know what, play into those things or people that were sometimes like, don't play into those things, hide those things because you need to fit this you know cookie cutter mold and like Hmm, um like not in a bad way but it's like you know they always well i guess it is bad but like in a way of like we're trying to help you move forward but at the same time we're you know you have to like code switch a lot you know you mentioned the word earlier where it's like yeah in front of the camera you completely change and it's interesting because a lot of your career is visual so people see you versus a lot of people's careers are like behind the scenes and you're like mm-hmm. you are you are in behind the scenes building the segments and producing but at the same time then you have to be in front of the camera and so public so your image matters so much in a different way because your image literally dictates where your career goes 
as someone who's super public now, what's like the best or and the weirdest thing that's happened to you as someone who has a very public career? So you mentioned the um, marijuana video earlier. I think you said cannabis, which is part of the video. But mm-hmm. so the whole video is about the background, the historical background of the word marijuana and how it was used against certain communities um, to make them feel less than. And that was, you know, ever since I moved to New York and I started writing stories for BuzzFeed or the New York Daily News, there's there's always been, com- like, common, like, bad comments. There's always been trolls. There's always been hate mail and all that. So I was kind of, like, used to that. And, you know, it comes with the, comes with the job. Um, but that video specifically, I think, was the first time that kind of made me realize of, like, now the platform that I'm in is much bigger because, obviously, I drew a lot of attention from the right wing. And <laughs> a lot of people went at it. They were, there were other productions. There was a podcast that did a whole segment on my video and attacking the video of the company and my character. And so... I I thought I had some sort of like divide between my personal life and my professional life on social media. And I think that video made it very clear that I didn't. Um, so people went on my Instagram, they went on my Facebook, they went on my Twitter, and they started af- like attacking and commenting on everything that I've done prior to now this. So there were some photos of me with my nephew and niece and or with my family. Oh, that's violation. And that's fam. So they, they would comment on that. And it's like, well, damn, I was not ready for this. Like, I need to, you know, take another look at my at my appearance, like of my private life on social media and kind of, you know, not withdraw that information, you know, not make it super accessible for them to target you know, it's one thing if you want to attack me, I'm used to it. It will just roll off my back. But family members, they're not used to that. You know, they're they're not used to people just randomly attacking them for, you know, commenting marijuana or like, you're so racist for doing this. Like, stop saying this word. That's racist. Like, mocking me, you know. And there were even some friends that were commenting on my videos being like, oh, my God, this is so informative. I love this. And they were attacking them. And then they were commenting on their personal story um photos and comments and posts and all that and so i think that was one thing that made me realize that it was like it's a different platform and there are more eyes on everything you do and so it's kind of like i should probably draw a line so it's like go back make sure and this is for everyone (laughs) as a (laughs) privacy reporter um Make sure that your filters are on. Make sure that your accounts are blocked if you don't want things to be out. You know, if there's stuff that you need to promote, just, like, promote it. But then, you know, maybe do a different channel or, like, do a different, like, account, you know? Because trolls will find it. And it's just bullying online is not it's not nice. That's very unfortunate. I had no clue that was all happening to you. I saw the video and I was like, one, I never knew this. Two, I know him. Three, <laughs> this is an amazing video. Like, it's so informative. And I was, like, really proud. I was like, this is a wonderful. But... I did not know you received so much hate from, like, bigots for that. 
and you know I'm not trying to create a podcast war, but you know <laughs> if you wanted to name drop who that podcast was that did you wrong, I will tell my my listeners to come after them. But if, if, if you're in a petty mood, but. they'll probably get back and then do a whole thing and then attack you. So let's just you know save yeah, them okay. the trouble. That's fine. I'm not afraid. <laughs> but but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> my identity is secret. Actually, <laughs> people don't know I'm the creator. I go. own this podcast. <laughs> they don't know me, and even if they look for me at my job my job is very pro this they don't know what i do but trust me they're not gonna fire <laughs> me <laughs> so talking kind of about you mentioned some that's like a con to the job a bit like like because you're so public people can attack your character or identity or basically your loved ones online but let's kind of i guess let's move to what are the favorite parts of what you do I love that I could, you know, pursue other interests within the field. Like, I could investigate other interests, you know, if I wanted to, you know, pretend to be an astronaut for a day and go to, like, NASA and investigate how the training goes for astronauts, you know. Like, I could potentially do that, you know. Um, so I think I, I like that it always keeps you on your feet and there's always something new, whether it's stressful, whether it's a fluff piece, whether it's something you're really passionate about. It just never gets old, um, and I would like to think that it will never get old. I'm sure a lot of things get old as you get older. We'll find out. But <laughs> I'm as- not trying to find out. Like, <laughs> I want to stay young forever, Peter Pan. <laughs> right? That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, as 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 of now, I think it's just great that I could, and I think I'm at at, at a place now where I could pitch more things that are of my interests, and then go after that. So there's that. You get to meet so many amazing people. They're so, and I feel like I've been saying passionate a lot, but I think just a lot of things come from passion. (laughs) It's just, and it's kind of contagious. They just motivate you to do more. And so, um, you know, interviewing Tim Cook, for example, I, obviously we were talking about the new iPhone 10 and all the different editions the new um, Apple Watch. But when I brought up health, you could tell that his whole presentation changed and he was just a bit more excited to talk about it and something new for the company. It's something that you can tell he's really, really excited that the company is leaning into and producing more features for that. And for example, seeing that, that kind of twinkle in the eye of the person that you're interviewing, I think that's just... I think that's amazing. I think it's one of my favorite things for, from this job. Just seeing them really light up when you ask the right questions and them just going on about it, gushing over their product or their story, um, you know. And then, of course, there's sometimes where tragedies involved. And, you know, while it's, it's kind of a bittersweet moment because you're getting this beautiful story, and but at the same time, it's very tragic. So you... You just mentioned how your interview with Tim Cook, which is a, that's a giant, like, that you got, you know, that's a, like, I was like, whoa, like, you got to interview Tim Cook. How did you prepare for that interview? Like, when you, when you were told, like, this is being greenlit, you're going to be interviewing him. I can imagine if that was you, I'd be like, oh my, oh, I'm excited, but what, <laughs> what the hell? Like, I'm not ready. Um, what, how do you prepare for um, interviews? Um of that stature you definitely have to do all your homework 
I think you have to go back and see everything that he said just because you don't want to be that person who asked the same question that was asked, you know, by someone else. Uh, so there's that. And then I think nerves just come no matter what. I mean, to me, I, I, there's this anxiety every time I interview someone because not because of who I'm interviewing, but, but because my brain's always thinking, thinking about the things that could go wrong. So is the audio, you know, is it being recorded? Is a camera on the right light and, and channel? And, you know, what if this person doesn't tell me what I want to know? And, you know, cause you go into the story and in, into the interview with the story in mind already sometimes. And so you kind of have a structure cause a lot of the times you're in deadline. And so, you kind of have to have a skeleton script and then kind of just drop in stuff, you know, and then like make it full. And so having that in mind, you walk in and you just want to want to make sure that you get that sound bite. And then, so I think that's like the anxiety that there's, there's always that type of anxiety, but when it comes to someone that's really big and then, you know, it's a high profile, I think it's just, I think you just kind of have to forget who that person is and just focus on the story. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to try to take that advice when that happens to me. I mean, <laughs> you're one of the biggest people on the podcast right now. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, so I'm, I'm going to take that advice um, and and run with it and do that in the future. So what is the one thing, if you could, you would change about your industry right now? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, to the mic. <laughs> that's a big question. So many things. Uh, or maybe, I don't know, that's... I think I need a, a minute to think about that one. Yeah. Do, can we get back to this one? Yeah, we can come back to this. No <laughs> problem. I'll, I'll ask you a funnier question <laughs> okay. in the meantime. Okay, so I don't think you probably have been ever asked this question. Let me know if you have. Someone stole it from me. Um, I thought it would just be a perfect moment to ask this because no one... I think would ever ask you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself making tech sexy? Ooh, uh, no. So <laughs> there is this whole article. Uh, I believe someone uh, who wrote it. Someone when a, a tech reporter, I think like a, a few year, a couple years back, wrote a whole article about stop using the word sexy when referring to tech. Because <laughs> tech is not sexy, so I personally agree with that. <laughs> so, so no, I am not making tech sexy. But yes, you're right. No one has asked me that. <laughs> okay, I'm glad no one asked you. We got that for the hit for history. Okay, it's on the record. He does not think he makes tech sexy. But you'll watch his video and then you can tell him on his comments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I won't. I won't stop anyone from doing pot, making pot. I wouldn't stop anyone from making positive comments. <laughs> so, um, and we'll go back to that other question, don't worry. Okay. I'll give you time to think about it. Um, so, based on, so you're, how do I want to say this? So, you are not Anglo Saxon and you are not straight and you're just basically not vanilla. 
but you uh, you come with your you know very unique background in your field. Do you feel like your identity has ever created any barriers or obstacles for you? And how how did you really how did you push forward when those present, presented themselves? I don't know if you know someone has denied me an opportunity because of who I am. But I could say that I definitely stood in my own way. And this was back when I was still in the closet. And because of who I was, you know, I was, I feel like I was asked to, to show who exactly, exactly who I am. And I was holding back. And I think by holding back, I kind of didn't go for, I didn't take risks or I didn't go for better opportunities. Like, I feel like I could have produced better content at one point when I first moved to New York City using the, like, that identity, that part of my identity that, that I'm gay. You know, I could have been better informed or, or help someone create a better informed piece. Um, or create original content, you know? This was, like, five years ago. Um, and so I think I, I stood in my own way as opposed to other people okay. taking the opportunities, if you know what, I'm, if that makes sense. That That's really, that's really strong of you. Accountability, self-accountability. Yeah. Like, I feel like I didn't go for it because I was too scared of people finding me out that I was gay. And so I wouldn't put my whole personality on an article or, or in a video, you know, like I wouldn't. I would be like, oh, we're looking for like gay writers. And I'd be like, no, that's not me, you know. And so now now I'll mention it, you know, because now I know that it won't affect me either professionally or in my personal life. But five years ago, I was scared that it would just jeopardize my whole career. And so I wouldn't really, really say anything. And I think because there's other people in – my career that were very out and very proud, they helped me come to terms and be like, no, no, no. This is what they, they need people. They need people with different backgrounds. They need a different voice to come and help diversify the newsroom and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> we're going to go deep again. I'm going to come back to that question <laughs> um, about what would you want to change? Um, in my industry... You know, it's, I feel like it's ever changing these past five years. There's been so many layoffs and I don't really have, I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to say anything that's wrong or, but I feel like there's just been so many layoffs. Every newsroom you walk into sometimes feels like a revolving door that you, you know, you can't. You just never know how things are going to turn, especially when we rely on these platforms, social media platforms so much um, that kind of dictate the content and dictate the scale of of our production. Um, and this whole pivot to video, <laughs> which is a little triggering because um, just everyone wants to pivot to video. And I feel like at one point we're going to get back to full-length articles. I mean, they've never, they're not, they're 
I'm gonna sneeze. Oh yeah. <coughs> As I tell everybody, own your yeah. sickness. Own, I mean, own whatever's happening. If you need to sneeze, if you need to cry, if you need to laugh, whatever you need to do, you let it out. <laughs> well, thank you for being so welcoming, and I apologize for that sneeze. No, you don't. Do, you not. You do not need to apologize. That I is just, a human function. I know there's another sneeze one again. On its way. That's okay. That's okay. It's natural. Also, no more, code switching here. More things about me. I hate sneezing. Top three, like top three things I hate in life. Sneezing <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So I just I just think that yeah I I just I feel like I don't I feel like I could say a lot of things that could get me in trouble. But <laughs> um. Yeah, change change in the industry. I think. It's hard to, I, I, yeah, I feel like I need to. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. I know, you know you're trying to keep your, trying to keep your <laughs> coin. It's okay. It's okay. Um, we, we can, we can move to something else. Um, so let's say there are other young people of color who are looking at the career you have and looking at getting into, um, journalism, especially, um, digital journalism. Mm-hmm. And, whether it's covering tech or politics or pop culture, what what is the one thing you would want someone listening to this episode, whether they need to make a career shift or they're in college, mm-hmm. um, to leave with if that's something they're interested in? I'd say seek out as many opportunities outside of your comfort zone um because if it doesn't work out you could always go back home you know you could always go back to that that space or that area where you feel safe or like comfortable or like that you think that's what you want to do i feel like because i you know i come from el paso is a big city but i feel like a lot of times or back then it had a small town mentality Mm -hmm. um so a lot of people wouldn't really leave. I I was that person who would apply to every internship, every application, every scholarship. Would I get them? No, I got some. But the ones that I got were local. And, you know, I'd like to say that I got them because of merit. But at the same time, hardly anyone was applying. And it's kind of sad because there were so there was so much money you know being in for free but people just don't go for it and whether it's because they're scared because of lack of representation and they're like well no one like me makes it or because of family values sometimes that holds you back because you know it's like tradition to just like help the family business or help you know and i'm not saying anything of that is bad because sometimes that's good you know like Sometimes you do want to become um, the next owner of a family business and grow it. And maybe you'll become like, you'll become, you know, like you'll have a chain and like, there's never the wrong way. But like, if you are trying to, to leave, if you're trying to seek out other opportunities, I say you just go for it. You, if it fails, it's not the end of the world. Um, Because I know there's been times where like I failed and I was like 
what is next? <laughs> Wait, yes, I could go back to like my core group of people that have always supported me. And that was back home. That's family, you know. And guess what? Like then I got back on my feet and like left again. And it's like, and I feel like if you just seek out something that you're not expected or that is not within your, you know, something you're used to, something completely different that maybe you weren't seeking but is ideal to what your interests are might come about. And then you'll find, you know, your way. Okay. So you have to – I feel like your your current work is very intense in a way that it you need to be on in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. What does Alejandro do to, like, decompress, to, like, center yourself? What do you do, like, on a weekly, daily, or, like, monthly basis? Ooh, yeah. Uh, So friends are very important in my life. My friends. uh, My boyfriend. um, Oh, shout out for boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we we are really good about decompressing in – during the weekends or sometimes during the week when we were all having hard, you know, a hard week and we worked in completely different fields. All of us are in very different fields, but we all are pretty good about when things got stressful, having some relaxation time, you know, whether it's like, let's go out dancing. Uh, we love dancing or let's go sing our hearts out at karaoke. Um, or maybe just a game night at home with, you know, um, couple, few, several bottles of wine. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, something that where you could completely shut away your, your job and, you know, that part of your brain that's always on thinking of like headlines or spreadsheets or, you know, accounts you put it in a box and then you forget about it. And then you talk about something completely different, you know, you talk about, uh, what you're watching on TV or, I mean, sometimes we do talk about politics, but I feel like as we get older, that's just Natural. part of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I do think, you know, sometimes I like to just go boxing, like at the gym, just hit the bag. And there are so many, so many ways, but I think my, my main my main way of kind of relaxing and leaving work behind is my friends and just exploring the city with them or hanging out with the apartment. It's cool. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you, like, what do you want to do in 10 years? Because that's, like, stressful. <laughs> I don't even know what I want to do next year. But instead of, like, a timeline – are there stories that you haven't covered yet that you would like to cover in your work in the future? Yes. And some of them I'm working on now, so I can't say, but, um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there are even some stories that I, I don't even know that I want to cover yet, but I'm sure they will come, but I'm nowhere, nowhere near done with with my career and things that I want to do. There's so much room for exploring and, you know, so many other type of jobs that I could do and transition into um, or grow within. Um, and like I said before, 
journalism is ever changing. It's just yeah. evolving. I feel like every six months, just something is happening, especially now when a lot of our news are consumed through social media and, and these companies, you know, not living up to standards with their privacy and then people leave the service and then that kind of creates a different, you know, type of interaction and behavior within the platform. I mean, but then again, there's the audience. So like, for example, with now this, we have a really strong audience and brand and people, you know, people follow us. So it's kind of like, that's reassuring. <laughs> you guys, you, between you guys, Young Turks Network, um, there's a couple of different networks you guys are, y'all are doing, y'all are at the top of your games. Like, y'all are not in the struggly crew. There's a couple of networks that are, like, losing their minds. Like, they're going through, if you watch Being Mary Jane, basically they're all going through, what, SN, I can't even say SNC or SSC. I can't even say the damn name of a network, but I know that they're, a ton of networks are, like, not able to adapt. Yeah to this new age and realizing the industry has changed and you know you're not gonna give up everything that you've done but you have to adapt to survive Mm -hmm. and a lot of places are not having the easiest time a lot of journalists are not having the easiest time either adapting right and you know because there's these like legacy places and then there's these new startups so there's like two different types of cultures and so much infrastructure that you have to change so there's a lot there's i feel like that's a huge discussion but i feel like i mean journalism is not dead you know i think that's the wrong way to go about it because i remember soon after i graduated college everyone's like yeah like print is dead journalism is dead it's like well lies like print is not necessarily dead there's been a cut in circulation but you know it's like it's the fourth branch of government that's the first thing they teach you in (laughs) poli sci like the press journalism is what is how we receive and distribute information not the president sending a text (laughs) message to everyone that is against democracy yes you can fight me on it i went to school for it (laughs) twitter Twitter is it's uh, Twitter. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the journalism is very much alive. It's been, it's definitely been limited, but there's been ebbs and flows all the time, and it's been changing. Like for instance, podcasts are now in, and mm-hmm. radio used to be in decades ago, and basically this is just a this is like what the the child or grandchild of radio essentially. So things I think have a way of repeating themselves, not really disappearing. Yeah, things are going to keep changing, and but I mean. We're going to be here. Uh, we're <laughs> clear, We're here. Yes. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my final question for you is, as a trained journalist, how did it feel to be at the other side of the table? Oh, um, I think I like it. Um, because I feel like I, I, I would hope that I'm giving, you know, full answers and actually... You You're know, giving full answers. You, meeting, meeting... You like, tried to spin on my ass a few times, but don't worry. <laughs> I, I read between the lines. <laughs> no, you did good. No, you did really good. Yeah, I feel like I, I... I'd like to think that I'm meeting the expectations of the person interviewing me. Because I know that sometimes when I interview someone, it's like, you're not giving me what I want. Which I know I didn't answer one of your questions. It's but, okay. I, I respect um, you trying to secure your bag. I, <laughs> yeah. I, it's okay. I understand. That's why this show exists because stuff like that is our reality. So no, don't yeah, worry. You yeah. preach to the choir. But no, I, 
I appreciate it. You know, it's kind of nice to to be, yeah, to to turn the table. But well, we would love for you to come back. Thank you so much. I I've had I've had fun. This is great. I I just feel like it's a very real conversation. I feel like a lot of people always ask kind of fluff. Yeah, or not fluff, but just like they don't allow so much time to express oneself. Okay. No, I would love to for have you to have you come back. I don't have a budget to pay you to come back, <laughs> but I would love for you to come back. Um, we'll definitely find another um topic, and you're going to be doing much more material. So I'll have a reason to be like, "Hey, I saw you again. Come back and come <laughs> talk about." Um, yeah. But thank you so much, Alejandro, for your time. Thank you yeah, for exactly. being candid, for being vulnerable, <laughs> and for sharing this moment with me. And I'm never going to forget this moment, and the world's going to listen to it. So. Thank well, thank you. you so much for for having me. <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to clock out now, guys. Bye. <laughs>